What's going on, everybody? Hope y'all had a fantastic weekend. Welcome to episode 52 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. A few things to touch on. First, got to send out a big congrats to Patty Gasso and the Oklahoma Sooners on their Women's College World Series win after going the distance and defeating FSU 5-1 in the deciding game. Second, this national championship has to go down as one of the best ever. You know, with the emergence of Odyssey Alexander and James Madison University to perfect game thrown by Montana Fouts and, you know, to to record-breaking attendance and viewership, I think it's safe to say that this game is in great hands and will only continue to grow. Also need to throw out a huge congrats to Coach Mike Candrea on an amazing 36-year career with the Arizona Wildcats. Coach Candrea retired this past week with a phenomenal 1,674 career wins. Assistant Coach Caitlin Lowe will take over the reins of the Wildcats and will no doubt do an excellent job. On to this week's guest and we sat down with a legend from our parts. He's a four-time All-Canadian, 10-time mainland fastball batting champion, former goaltender with the California Golden Seals in the NHL, and Nova Scotia Sport Hall of Famer, Lyle Carter. We're going to talk to Lyle about getting a start in the game back in the day in the village of Brookfield, competing at the 1969 Canada Games in Halifax, what it was like to play a national on home soil in Brookfield back in 1971, his experience of playing in the NHL, and much, much more. Getting to interview Lyle was an absolute pleasure for Chris and myself, as we've been on the other side of it over the years with him interviewing us for the Truro Daily News, which he always made such an enjoyable experience. Trust me, everyone's going to love hearing Lyle's stories. With that being said, grab that drink, sit back, relax, because here we go. I've got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling, ain't never felt this freedom. I've got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. Ain't never felt this freedom. Could you, could you say that anything goes Hey, Dick. What's going on, Hopi? <laughs> Not much, man. How are you? Good, good man. Good. Tell us about that call you just got. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> we're like minutes away from doing our opening and my wife calls. Um, well, first of all, my daughter, one of my daughters is on her way to Acadia with her boyfriend to bring some furniture down. Yep. So there's a, a chair in the back of Liam's truck. And my wife just called me and said, Liam, they're just down by Barry's furniture on the highway and the chair flew out of the back of the truck. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Well, can you go help them? I was like, I'm just about to do the podcast. <laughs> Can he fucking figure it out? <laughs> anyway, it's a good way to start the podcast. Slowing the draw there. Yeah. Uh, it's Friday, man. Yeah, it is. It's, Beautiful uh, weather coming our way. It's it's Friday, but it's really Monday. But it's Friday for us Yeah, right now. no, true enough. We got some good weather coming. We have some fantastic weather. Finally going to be. Heard some uh, good COVID news today that uh, starting third phase, we can start playing games. Yeah. So hopefully so the end of June. The way things are going, yeah. yeah. I mean- we talk in our text. I I had it projected first of July, first of July that we'd be, yeah, be right. able to get going, which yeah. you know that's a full month ahead of last year. Oh, hundred percent. So yeah, so it shouldn't be too bad. We should be able to get in a, a number of games. We'll we'll play into October again. I don't yeah, care. I loved it absolutely. Anyway. Oh yeah. man, the, those playoff games in October were were, were fun. fun. Yeah. yeah, a little chilly at night, but they were fun. Yeah, well, yeah. That last game where we were oh in Lance Lord. when we were watching it. Yeah, it was cold. Ooh. Um, 
another thing too, the ball field, I was up, uh, Robin had called me to come up and, uh, they got all the fencing done. Did they? Yeah. And, uh, they started doing the drainage too, just yesterday. So oh, right yeah, on. yeah, it's going to be great. And then the lights are next. Man, that'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. And, can play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. COVID cases are starting to come down too. So yeah, fantastic. Things are, it. it's almost like uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel now. That's right. Yeah. As long as people keep getting vaccinated and what have you, yeah. we're going to be golden. Exactly. And I'll get to my, see my son hopefully at the end of the month. Man. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I can't wait to see him too. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's probably seven feet tall now. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't think he keeps growing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So uh, your, uh, your halves beat the leaf soap. Amazing, man. Like I'm a, I never had any faith in the fact that I didn't think they were going to win, mm. you know, especially when they were down three, one. Yeah. And then when we got a couple overtime wins, when we went into game seven, I truly thought we were going to win. I, I really did. I didn't let on to any of my buddies. I didn't chirp anybody because yeah. that's usually bad karma. Yeah. But I like seeing all those Toronto Maple Leaf fans chirping that, you know, they were going to win. And Matthews had whatever that comment was about going into the playoffs. That's finally going to be some competition or something. Or, yeah. well, what's he doing now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Four. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you're going into a winner game, winner take all game, yeah. why wouldn't you go with Carey Price. Oh, like you have to bet on Carey Price. For sure. Next. For sure. Like, and as you and I were just talking about, I, I do feel bad for the likes of Mitch Marner and Jack Campbell. Yeah. Like they're getting ripped up hard. I guess they are. Yeah. They're, first of all, it's not their fault they lost. Yeah. Not at all. Well, I'm, you look at it. If you look at that series, I would say Jason Spetz and William Nylander were their two best players. 100%. And I love the fact that Jason Spetz was doing so well. Yeah. Makes Mike Babcock look like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Which is awesome. Yeah. Well, he is an idiot. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but uh, yeah, speaking of hockey as well, our guest today. Yeah. Geez, he was in Former the NHL. NHLer. That's yeah. right. California Golden Seal. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Also uh, very big in the in the softball world here in Nova Scotia. It certainly and, is. And uh, actually across Canada, he four all Canadians. And, yeah, it's cool stuff. And stuff like that. Lyle Carter from Brookfield. And, yeah. Uh, he covers uh, local sports. He has been for a number of years. Number of years. He's, Toronto Daily News, is it? He's interviewed, so, uh, yeah. yeah. He's interviewed us a number of times. Yeah. So it's going to be funny being able to, you know, talk Interview to him. him. That. Yeah. yeah. He's always been a great man to talk oh, to. He's one unreal. of the kindest people I know. Yeah. Like, he always, you know, gave you time. Even there could be a thousand guys around. He'd still say hi to you for sure at the ball field. Yeah. Like, and he, he would make it a point, you know, to come over and, and you know, yeah. pick you out of the crowd and, yeah. and, and, and talk to you. But yeah, I mean, that's how, guy. you know, I, I grew up in Brookfield and was at his house all the time. And, yeah. And yeah. that was hit. The door was always open. You know yeah, what I mean? That's like cool. being able to walk in and, and Hamilton and, Gardens, and ha- Hamilton Avenue Gardens. That's Hamilton right. Avenue we'll Gardens. we'll talk about that during the podcast. Yeah, so, for sure. uh, yeah, this this should be a good one. I I hope we're not going to get into peaches territory, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have time actually. If we can. <laughs> I got a vaccine scheduled for tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Anyway, well, uh, let's get to Lyle then. All right, my friend. <laughs> Here we go. Lyle, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I'm very happy to join you and Chris Randy. Uh, looking forward to chatting with you. Yes. How's, uh, how's things going up there in Brookfield? Pretty good. I'm up to the ball field quite often, do a little walking up there. And uh, Donald Henderson hasn't coming in great shape for this this time of year. It's looking good. That's right good. on. Yeah. yeah. Elk Park is always in uh, fantastic shape. It's a beauty it's, for sure. It's got to be the best ball field in Nova Scotia, I think. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of history there, that's for sure. And uh, 
I, you know, I'm kind of proud to think of some of the history there. I, as a kid, uh, of course, they played baseball there, and then Terry Henderson pretty well was the main one in having it switch over to softball in 1955. Right, right, right. Actually, that was uh, I was going to ask you about that because I I heard baseball had started there, and and I was wondering when it when the switchover was. So how how did that all take place? Well, what happened, real to, to be brief, uh, Brookfield Elks played in the Toronto District Baseball League, and the the big team to beat in those days was the Londonderry Ironclads. They they won a lot of championships, Bible Hill, some of the Truro teams, and one uh, favorite team of many of us was the Truro Sheiks, a black team, and they were uh, certainly a, a good bunch of ball players. But uh, I think the Elks were having a little trouble fielding the team. They were weren't quite as competitive as they liked. Day and in '55, Terry Terry Henderson came home from Acadia University, and uh, he had played softball at while well, at Acadia, and uh, he he kind of promoted changing over to softball. And uh, uh, there's been some great years since. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I guess there has been. Yeah. Like, so uh, maybe tell us about you know you getting your start in the game back in the day in Brookfield. Well, I, I would have started at probably around 14 as far as uh, playing for the Elks went in intermediate ball. And the Elks in the early years had to uh, kind of grow. Uh, they started out, i just like to mention this to you, Randy, and to Chris. I remember the Elks playing a strong team from DeBird. I believe the team was called DeBert Comets. And they had a, a pitcher, and uh, some of the old-timers would certainly remember Kenny Goodwin, but he was the best around these parts. He went on to pitch a number of years in senior in Halifax. But I think the uh, one of the early games in Brookfield against DeBert was 21-1 to or 19-1 to for DeBert. So, wow. you know, there were some growing years there, years yeah. to uh, learn the game and become competitive. And uh, I, I would have came along, I guess, somewhere later in the 50s, late 50s. and uh, uh, But I had to say this, I'll never uh, forget breaking in because we had Johnny Madison in center field and Huey Madison at first base and Terry Anderson at second base and so on. And these guys were so good to a young kid. I mean, you know, I'd be out of position and in the wrong spot and all the rest. And uh, uh, I'll never forget breaking in with those guys and uh, uh, how, how, how good they were to play with. It's awesome. Oh, that'd be like, you know, I can just imagine having to play under, under Huey Matheson. Geez. I mean, he he would have coached my dad in hockey and, and I've known Huey my whole life and he's, uh, he's pretty, pretty imposing to me, but uh, (laughs) being able to play under them must've been, you know, a, a pretty good thing there, Lyle. Yeah, see, Huey, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, Randy, because Huey coached between hockey and ball. He coached a lot of hockey, and he coached a lot of ball. There was a number of years Terry Henderson coached, but there was also a number of years that Huey Madison coached. And uh, he had a way of being able to handle players, and I guess he could get you uh, serious enough and committed enough that he, he seemed to get the most out of athletes. And uh, your your father would be able to talk about that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Actually, funny story about that. Uh, remember when uh, Huey used to to run the rink there, and uh, they had the uh, the the district league, district hockey league, and Dad was playing in that. And you know that was back when you know Stuyak had a team, Upper Stuyak, and and there was Team Toyota and and teams like that. And I can remember a game. I was I would have been young. I think I was about eight or nine, and and something had gone down, and and uh, 
dad got mad and threw his stick like from one end of the like from the penalty box there in Brookfield and it went over the glass and just missed Huey's head. And <laughs> and the look on dad's face when Huey was staring him down was just <laughs> I'll never forget. It. And I was so young, too. But uh, yeah. you can imagine what would be going through dad's head. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that, Randy. That was a great league. It was called the South Colchester District Hockey League. And like you mentioned, Upper Stuyak, Middle Stuyak, Hilden, mm-hmm. Stuyak East, Alton and so on. And it, uh, they used to put some pretty good sized crowds in the sportsplex. And I certainly remember your father playing and a good many other guys. And it was good hockey and good for the rink. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on, Lyle, is uh, I can't, when I was doing my research, and I need to actually thank Nancy Van Tassel for this because uh, she provided the the uh, information for me. You played in the 1960 Canada Games that were held in Halifax, correct? Uh, yes, I'm, I'm just stopping to uh, think of the year. Uh, I'm kind of thinking it might have been the 1969 Canada Games. Yeah, yeah. So what do you remember about that experience? Well, uh, it was the first time, I think it was a great thing for softball, and I think there'll be a lot of other older players agree with me, but it was probably the first time a lot of us saw the big chuckers from uh, Ontario and Richmond Hill and maybe British Columbia in these places. Uh, during those years, in that particular year, the big pitcher in Canada was a left-hander from South Porcupine, Ontario, the name of... Um, Pete Landers, I nearly lost his name, but you know, for us to get him to pitch, see him pitch down here, and some of the other big pitchers who've been pitching in the Canadian tournaments, uh, it was uh, brand new to us and uh, a real eye opener and, and good for us, you know. Yeah, it, that that was, and of course, it was held in Halifax. Uh, and doing my research on that, I uh, come across that they were unexpectedly that the the crowds were big for baseball and softball for it. Yes, I I can't say uh, a lot about the baseball because I wasn't there, but the softball crowds were unbelievable. And I, again, I were talking sports history here, but I believe that was the probably the first year for the Canada Games Diamond, yep. which uh, you and you and Chris will know quite well. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, the crowds were they were huge. Like uh, I would say, several thousand, but uh, whether it was three thousand, four thousand, or more, I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Yeah, that uh, I can. Pretty awesome. Yeah, we did play a lot of games at that field. How many oh times? God, so many. I can remember getting fogged out of games there, yeah. like in the second game of a doubleheader. Like, I can remember hearing car alarms going off because it was not a nice area <laughs> when we were playing there. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, interesting to hear you guys talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, on that Canada Games team, was there any notables that uh, would have been on your team that uh, that you can remember? Oh, there was one of the greatest ball players in Nova Scotia in my time, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's a Nova Scotia Sport Hall of Famer. Was Denny Clake? Uh, Denny was from Truro, a, a black man, and uh, one of the great outfielders and great hitters. And uh, oh, there were the Spears brothers. We had uh, we had Sydney and Glace Bay represented. They picked a team from right across the province, and uh, they kind of sh- shared it up in their selection. And uh, I. I didn't go against them a lot, but uh, I've all my lifetime since that, and that's quite a few years ago. I, I really thought that Terry, Terry, Huey Madison should have been on the team at first base, and Terry Henderson should have been on the team at second.
second base. And, uh, you know, the selection committee had a tough job. They wanted the, the province represented. But, uh, you, you know, in my opinion, uh, two of the better players weren't on the team. And I'm not crying sour grapes. It's just an mm-hmm. opinion, you know. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah for sure. But uh, Donald Ross was with you on that team, was he not? Oh, Donald Ross. I'm glad you mentioned Donald. Yeah, Donald Ross uh, was one of the stars in that team. And uh, a left-handed pitcher from Berwick by the name of Gary Whittier. He was one of the best pitchers down here at that time. And, uh, uh, you know, some of the other names, and trying to be fair here, I can't think of them yeah. all, but we had some pretty nice ball players on that team. Yeah. I, I believe we possibly tied for third or finished fourth, and uh, the team played pretty well in that tournament. Right. Did Did Gary end up playing with the Elks a few few years later with you? Yes, he did. He came to Brookfield to pitch a couple of years after that, and uh, I think he pitched Brookfield to a Maritime title one season there. Yes. Oh, right on. Um one thing, another thing came across there at 1971 Canadian Senior Nationals. Uh, they were held in Halifax and Brookfield, which I didn't, I never knew about we did not know. Brookfield being able to host the Nationals before. Um, you led the tournament in hitting, hitting 550. Um, what was it like to play a game in Brookfield during a national tournament? I can only imagine how crazy that would have been. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it. Before I answer that, uh, Chris, uh, you were aware that that. Canadian tournament was uh, how would you say it uh, co 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 played in Brookfield kind of. No, I was not aware of that. To be honest, Lyle, I had no hey. clue that it was played in Brookfield. Nor did, I, nor I did would Randy. Ask, uh, Chris and Randy, I would estimate some of the crowds were certainly in the three thousand area. It was unbelievable. Uh, a good question, Randy. You asked. Uh, it was exciting. It was really exciting. Like. Uh, I played before some pretty big crowds in hockey, and uh, but to have that in your own your own home community, the crowds that were there, and uh, the cars in Carter Road, Carter Road wouldn't handle all the cars. They were parked <laughs> on the main drag in Brookfield, the, yeah. the road that leads to Middle Stuyak. They were in fields in every place, and uh, oh, that's awesome. Man. Those are great days. Yeah, yeah, that would have been the rink wasn't built till seventy five. So that what what was where the rink was uh, where the rink was at one time they uh, for a couple of years they tried to have a little league baseball park which would have set partly where the rink was but that was just extra ground in those days but i want to tell you one highlight i remember from that 75 uh i nearly said championship but it was championship play uh and the, and uh, we finished fairly high in that if i remember right but i remember Huey madison batting in brookfield against pete landers and the crowd just roaring. Huey come to the plate. Huey was a tough out. He hit a, a fair amount of home runs, but he also hit the good line drive single. He was a tough out. And he, uh, one of the early pitchers from Pete Landers, he drove it into right field for a single. And I, I think I can hear that crowd roaring yet. It, just, <laughs> yeah. it was unbelievable. Nice. It's almost deafening. Yeah. No, dude. I can <laughs> just thinking about it. Like, kind of gives me goosebumps because I can't imagine being able to play a, like at a national championship in Brookfield in your backyard. Yeah. Well, it would have been my backyard exactly. actually. So I mean, yeah. like that that would just been incredible, Lyle. 
Yeah, you know, another thing I have to say there, just so you guys get the full picture, and I think you do, Yuli uh, Madison was one of the competitors in sports. I mean, I, I knew him well in both ball and hockey. And uh, Brookfield was known for some great competitors. Turk Henderson's up there and Terry Henderson, all the rest. But uh, And then some of the younger guys in your guys' time. But Yuli uh, was a fierce competitor. And I think he got that, he got the base hit off uh, Pete Landers just because he didn't didn't want to show Landers that he was any better than the rest of us, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the that's the thing. That's the Brookfield mentality, though. I mean, like that. I, I should say the biggest thing I learned growing up in Brookfield was, you know, it's not over till it's over, and you always go right to the end. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, when you say that, uh, you really make me think of Donald Ross because he he was a tremendous team man. And I, I saw him over the years, Randy, you saying that we might have been down four one or five one. And he was talking like like we were winning. We were going to win for sure. And sometimes we did. He, he was he was that kind of a guy. Yeah. No, I, I, I've known Donald since. Well, I, I moved to Brookfield when I was eight years old and, you know, getting Martin, his, his son was in my class. So Martin and I became friends and I ended up, you know, going up to Donald's place quite a bit throughout the years. And, and it's funny, we'd, we'd end up having, you know, later on like myself and Josh McCollum and, and Brooks and, and all those guys, Donald would have us playing, uh, playing like a kind of like a little pickleball game, but you'd use like a broomstick and you'd throw a tennis ball and, it became like a, a game more or less. And, yeah. uh, and as much as we tried, Donald would beat us all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know he did that right up until probably his fifties. He yeah. could still, you know, he, you know, into his fifties, he could still beat some of the young fellows playing, like you say, uh, overhand tennis ball or mm. a ball with a wiffle ball, which was made of plastic. And oh, he was, he was a tremendous competitor. I guess he was. Um, well, I want to ask about the, uh, the mainland fastball league. Uh, I come across that you won 10 batting titles in that. Um, Why not 11, Lyle? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, maybe tell us about the, the, the mainland fastball league and, and, you know, how it was. Well, the big thing I want to say about the mainland senior softball league, uh, the Elks, if they won intermediate titles, as the history goes, uh, then they uh, finally won the Nova Scotian Maritime Senior B. So there's only one place to go then is uh, Senior A. And a big part of history I remember, and Donald Ross, who's as we know is deceased now, but Donald and I waited at the corner in Brookfield probably for two to three hours to Don Henderson and Terry Henderson arrived back from Halifax because we knew they were down trying to get the Elks accepted in the senior A-League. And when they come back and give us the word and all the details that the Elks were accepted in the senior A, uh, that was a big moment, especially for Donald and I and a lot of other ball players. So in 68, uh, our first season in the senior A, we uh, won, I believe we won both the Nova Scotia Championship and the Maritime Championship. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of titles followed, uh, guys, but uh, it led up to 1980. And they won the world. They won yeah, the Canadian. That's right. Yeah, I was. We, I wanted to touch on that. Uh, that 1980s, actually. Like uh, I know you were you were retired from the game at this point, but uh, what was the what was the village like in Brookfield that summer when the Elks won? 
Well, I'd just like to share briefly a couple things. But before I do, I want to kind of surprise you two guys and, and tell you this afternoon for the first time, I think, ever, I had a visitor at the house, and it was Robert Putnam. Oh, <laughs> wow. First time I think Robert was ever in the house. We've been friends and, and talk ball and hockey for years, but he came to the house for a reason to see me. And actually, I don't mind telling you what it was. Uh, Steve Healy turned 70 tomorrow. And uh, wow. he was. Uh, Robert was doing tapes on his uh, telephone camera. So you guys know modern technology better than I do. <laughs> it, he had taped Terry Henderson, and him and Mike had done one. And he came, and I did a short one to Steve, too, as well, uh, which I was honored to do. But anyways, Putty was here. But no, what I remember, the memories are so good. But I remember about something like one thirty or 2 o'clock in the morning, people tell this story different. But I remember the fans being lined up in the main street of uh, Brookfield. Oh, man. <laughs> like it is, like we were. I was one of them, and we were all lined up. But across from the Baptist Church, there was a, a, a duplex, and a lady by the name of Vicki Crouse lived there. And I don't know if she was 90 or late 80s, but when the Elks combined, I think they'd put them on the fire truck, Vicki Crouse is out dancing. She's <laughs> doing the jig. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Or, you, you know, dancing yelling and the whoops and the hollers. And then, uh, I remember right, everyone went up to the ball field, followed them up to the to the field. But, and it had to be getting on to 2 o'clock in the morning or so. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Like, I can just imagine what that would have been like. Yeah. like unreal. But talking to you two guys, I have to say, I know how much you both love fastball and how much you both done done for the game. And I say thank you for doing it. I I, I remember, I'd like to share this with you, my, my own day's play, and which ties in with all this. Mm -hmm. I And Donald Ross and I used to talk. We thought there would never be a day, and it would never be, the day would never come where we'd ever want to do anything except play ball on, at yeah. Elk Park other parts but it's it's funny the day does come there comes a time when you uh you feel it's time for someone else the young guys to have their chance and so on and and you step back but for us to especially me to step back around 77 or whenever i finished up it and then to see the elks win the canadian championship and uh, you know and there's no sense of hiding this because I feel the same way I'm sure Huey Madison feels and Johnny Madison and a lot of others. Well, maybe, maybe we did a little something along the way to encourage this yeah. or to help. Yeah, we're not trying to take any credit, but it makes you feel some good when you you see all the guys come along and even seeing ball still going on Thursday night at Elk Park now. You, yeah. It's, Great feeling, you know. That's great. Yeah, you, you know, it's funny you brought that up because uh, that's kind of how I felt in seventeen when you guys won mm -hmm. the Mastodons. Like, I, I felt like you know I was teammates with every single one of those guys that's on right. the team, pretty much. And you know, I I was right there along with the ride with you guys watching it. And yeah. you can ask my wife. I when you, <laughs> when you guys went ahead, <laughs> I think. I, everybody in Dutch settlement could hear me. So I, mean, <laughs> I, I know, it, I know exactly what you're saying there, Lyle. Yeah. You know, and, and hearing you, you and uh, Chris talk, I kind of felt like, I don't think you mind me asking the question to Chris, but I never played on a Canadian championship winner. And that's one thing I would have loved to have done. The best shot I had was one year I was picked up by Dairy Queen and uh, we finished second to Richmond Hill Dines. They beat us in the finals. And uh, that game, uh, 
was kind of interesting to mention to you guys, that game was nationally televised. Wow. Wow. They played tremendous. We didn't have a real good game. We'd we'd beaten uh, Quebec the night before. We beat uh, Hull Quebec sixteen to six. Team just everybody hit unbelievable. They they couldn't believe we were as good hitters. And maybe we left a little the night before. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, it must be a great thing. It must be almost like I don't know a dream or uh, to look back when it's finally you finally done it to win a Canadian to beat everybody the best teams in Canada. Yeah, it, it, well, I can say up until we got back to the hotel after we won the game is when it kind of really struck me that we actually just won a Nationals. And actually, I, I won't lie, and I'm not a mm. – I won't swear. <laughs> I actually shed a tear because I thought of all the hard work that everybody had put in leading up to that point, and I've been around a long time. I've, I'd been at a numerous amount of Nationals, never had that chance – sorry, never won. I did win a silver medal with the Keats back in 94 as well, but – when we finally won that, and I really realized that we just, what we had accomplished, it was more than amazing. And I was super proud of everybody that I played with, coached with. Um, as you said earlier, you know, a lot of people lead up and, and help out with all of the behind the scenes stuff and all those players that push other players. You know, some of them aren't recognized because they weren't on the team, but there was they all played a huge part in us winning that tournament for sure, that national title. Yeah. I think you covered it really well, Chris. That was really, really, really good to hear. I, I love the sports history, you know, hockey and baseball and fastball, but to hear someone talk about what it was like getting back to the hotel, that, that finally sinking in. You know, hey, we won what we were after. We won the Canadian. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Right. Yep. tremendous. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to ask you about, uh, I mean, a lot of people know you from, you know, your professional hockey career. Um, what was it, how did, how did the juggling go, you know, with your hockey career and being also able to play at a high level of softball back then? Well, it, it, like it was a different era. Like, uh, as you guys know, a, a lot of guys played two sports in those days. They'd come home and play ball. I, I remember a couple of good NHL players. I mean, good, real NHL players. One was Al McNeil from Sydney. I remember Al playing uh, baseball for Sydney Mines, and we had an outstanding hockey player from Halifax, uh, Wayne Maxner. And Wayne uh, was protected by the Boston Bruins back in the days of the six teams. And he'd come, he'd come home and play softball with uh, Halifax Keefs. And, uh, you know, in those days it was more accepted. Now I think the hockey player, and correct me or help me here, but they're training more nearly year year round. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, make it a one sport. Maybe you can play a little golf or something, but don't get involved in the second major sport kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, right. I think I think Zach might have had something, you know, when it, his NHL contract that you know he was. Yeah, I don't not, think he was allowed to play. Yeah, I don't think he yeah, was allowed in case he got injured or something of that yeah, nature. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I know yeah. that, that was just something I was wondering. Like you guys wouldn't have had nothing in your contracts back then that would have prevented you from you know playing softball, right? Uh, no, but uh, I mean the story on Don Sherry and part of his story was that. He wasn't supposed to be playing, uh, I think it might have been baseball in Kingston, when he was injured in the outfield or whatever happened. And oh, that's uh, right. You know, it, you know uh, sometimes maybe it was just ver- verbal, you know. But uh, I think Zach might have had something 
might have had something in his contract. I'm not sure of that, but I heard stories where Zach wasn't supposed to be playing softball. Yeah. Yeah. I I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, you would have, you played a handful of games with the California Golden Seals in the NHL. Um, Can you tell us what that experience was like for you? It was actually three hands because it was 15 games. 15 games, yeah. yeah. Shut up. (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) I don't know where to go here, but uh, just to be short on this, uh, I had come up through the senior hockey leagues. I played senior in Newfoundland a couple of years. I played in the Nova Scotia senior, Maritime senior, in Ontario senior. So, you know, it was a little, uh, it was quite a long climb. And uh, to get there, to get to Oakland, certainly, uh, you know, was something like Chris describing uh, winning the big Canadian. It, it was certainly wonderful. But, uh, I I didn't have the kind of season or get to play the kind of hockey in the NHL that I had hoped to and uh, uh, don't want to go into a long thing and cry sour grapes and that. But I was injured in Buffalo, and a lot of people don't realize it, but when I was injured in Buffalo, uh, I'm trying to think the period probably would have been some sometime in November to through December or whatever, uh, I had had... Um, uh, six starts with the Seals in that period of time, and, and we won five of the games. And uh, I was starting to feel like I was getting my my legs under me and getting the confidence to go on. And that's, anyways, I was hit by a slap shot by Richard Martin, an injury that still some people are still talking about. And uh, reason being that, long story short, I was to Los Angeles back a little over uh, – a year ago uh, for a bunch of specialists to look at me, uh, a couple of head injuries I had in the States. And uh, by the way, I'm supposed to go back again in uh, in August or September. But anyways, uh, it kind of changed things around, kind of changed, put the <laughs> up, up the apple cart, you know. I yeah. was out for three weeks. I was out th- injured for three weeks, and uh, I had uh, – he hit me in the rib rib. They call it torn rib car- cartridge. I guess it wasn't. It tore open again in three weeks' time in the game in Minnesota and just completely ruined that season and so on. But things like this happen in sports, and uh, there's a good many, like dozens, if not hundreds of players that had rougher things happen to them yeah. than myself. So I, I'm not crying about it, but I do want to tell you this. A National Hockey Leaguer had everything taken away from him. And if anyone tells you I'm wrong, send them to me. was Wayne Maxner. He oh, was yeah. Pro- yeah, he was protected, like I mentioned, by the Boston Bruins when there were six teams. So he was an elite player. Yeah. had won the scoring championship in the OHA, grew up in Halifax and so on. And when he slid into second base and broke his leg bad that night in the Halifax Commons, uh, you know, Wayne oh. Maxner was taken right away from him. He never, he might have played a game or two in the NHL after, but very few. That's so unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, we know the name around here with Wayne Maxner and yeah, like you said, you know, being protected by an original 16 back then is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure. Um, Lyle, I wanted to ask you about, uh, Steve Mullally. No, we're not talking okay, about Lyle. Right. <laughs> That's a little inside joke That's here little, on the, yeah. on here, Lyle. <laughs> Sorry, Lyle. We talk about Steve Malali from Newfoundland all the time on here. All the time, every time. <laughs> I ask you guys real quick, not to ruin Randy's train of thought. That's all right. Who's who was a big hitter for many years out of Newfoundland? I read about him for years. <laughs> we're not talking about him. It's Steve Malali. No, it was probably <laughs> Colin, uh, Abbott. Colin Abbott. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah Abbott. Yeah, Abbott. Yeah, Colin yeah. Abbott. Yeah, we we talked to we talked to Colin here on the on the podcast, and what a fantastic guest he was. Yeah, he's a beauty. My gosh, I didn't know you had him on. Did yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. He uh, he gave us the rundown of his career, and geez, he he's been through a lot. He sure has. He was some hitter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I wanted to ask about, uh, you know, like I said before, I mean, I, I had the privilege of growing up in, in Brookfield from when I was eight years old on and the landscape of ball for me growing up, you know, w- was fantastic. And, you know, we had a bunch of teams there and everybody was playing and actually communities around, around like Hilden, Salmon River Valley, all of them had teams. Um, and that's when Brookfield would it still had their senior team. Um, what do you remember, you know, what the ball was like in the late eighties, early nineties for us growing up in Brookfield? Well, I remember going up to the field when a lot of you young guys were playing. And, uh, uh what I remember stands out to me was the young talent, the exciting young players are, we're coming along. I, I remember seeing you around the rink probably those days that you came with your father, Randy, mm. because I was around the South Colchester District Hockey League a lot. But um, I just remember mostly that there was a lot of good young ball players coming along. And I'm thinking of the years that you guys came along and guys like Jack Roop and uh, Brooks Van Tassel, some of the names you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, you know, we could see whole prospects coming left, right, and center. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I cherish those days growing up in Brookfield. I mean, I, I tell Chris all the time, it was a privilege growing up in Brookfield. Uh, 100%. Yeah, is there, like, what's, like, to ask you, Chris, what the, what was the best thing for you, you know, playing with the Elks? Well, as we talked about before, I, I hated the Elks growing up. <laughs> like, I was from East Tance, and you know it was always a battle when we played them. My biggest thing, I think, going into Brookfield was the mentality that they had of of wanting to win and never quitting, like you had mentioned earlier, and the fact that you know I made so many friends, but playing there and guys that would have your back no matter what, mm. constantly, and still to this day it would be the same thing. And they all still, I know they all love ball. Unfortunately, they a lot of it. You know, when they fold the tent there and a lot of them they don't play anymore, mm-hmm. but some of them are still helping out with minor ball too. So yeah, yeah that's probably one of the biggest things. Yeah. Right well, on. I'd like to ask a quick, quick question there. I'm glad you mentioned that, Randy. And thank you, Chris. How many years did you play in Brookfield, Chris? I played from 2000 till 2010 when I was injured. Well, I, I would have said 10 or 11 years, yeah. so I would have been pretty close. Yeah, and, there was uh, one year. Sorry, there was one year that they folded up. Um, I played with the Mulgrave Eagles that year, went to Nationals in St. Thomas. That was 04, and then they came back. Oh, four, yeah. yeah. And then they came back again. Yeah. Yeah. And the people still talk about you playing here, Chris. I, I'm i not saying that I know anything or I know a lot, but I've been writing this. I'm coming up to, I think, 27 years with the newspaper. I'm getting very close. And uh, I've talked with you for the paper, Chris. Yeah. You too, Randy, over the years. And But, uh, Chris, one of the questions I get asked is, I was asked this recently a couple of times. So your name come up and someone said, where's Chris originally from? And you know what? I started stutter, stuttering and stammering. <laughs> Where did you grow up as a young fella? I actually grew up in Dartmouth until I was 14. Yes. And then moved to Elmsdale. And I lived uh, I lived in Hans County ever since. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Originally a Cape Bretoner though, but I don't like to talk about that. 
Are you really? Where, yeah, where my, you... my my parents were from uh, Glace Bay. Um, actually, my mom was from New Waterford. My dad was from Glace Bay, and I lived in Sydney until I was five, and then then to the Sydney. I never knew that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, boy. Glace Bay, New Waterford. That great. That's great. My wife Susan is from Sydney. Okay. Uh, my my grandmother was a meat from South Bar, so we absolutely love Cape Britain in this house. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, actually, mentioned about your your host there, Lyle. I was telling Chris before we start recording about, you know, uh, growing up in Brookfield and how you converted the, you, you used to have the horse barn there and then uh, converted into a, like kind of like a basketball court slash ground hockey with the boards and everything. And we used to go there almost every single day to play and you called it Hamilton Avenue Garden. <laughs> and I need to thank you for for creating that when I was young because I had so many great memories from there. Well, look, th- thank you for playing there, Randy, and thanks for mentioning that. I I was so proud when I saw you playing there and Zach Sill played there, and I could name some others. You know, Jack, oh, yeah. my son, Rob Carter, you played some hockey with, and <laughs> those are great days. But I want to tell you, in case you uh, ever missed this, uh, probably two of the famous guys to play ground hockey there on a hot August day, I think the sweat was just pouring off them when they finished, uh, would have been uh, Andy Van Helleman, the National Hockey League referee. And Paul Stewart. And Paul Stewart. I remember. Uh, <laughs> they really? came to uh, open the golf course. They were going to have the, you know, they were the two main features in the opening of the Brookfield Golf Course that yep. day. And uh, they played ground. I don't know if you were in that game or not. I 100% was there. I, I remember that plain as day, Lyle. Oh, I'm glad you were because that was something. It was really hot. It was uh, it was a hot, hot day. Yeah, I felt bad. Actually, I kind of felt bad for them because I think I may have talked their ear off asking them about NHL players. And cause, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that's just how I was back because, I mean, hockey was a big part of my life. And uh, yeah, I think I, I think I talked their ear off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, Chris and Randy, you know, what Randy just said and Chris said earlier, uh, perhaps a pot, pot of gold here the gold the pot of gold is uh the memories we have oh for sure it is that's why we love doing this podcast to be honest we get to talk to so many people that have been involved in the sport and so long and different avenues and it's amazing yeah it it definitely is actually Lyle, i want to ask you, you you know you touched briefly on on you know doing your articles for the churl daily news how did how did that all come about anyway well, I, uh, during the days I had, ran a sports shop when I first retired from hockey in 1975 in the rink for three or four years there before I moved to Toronto, uh, CKCL invited me to do a radio show, which was called Saturday Morning Sports Scene. So I did that for three years or so, and then uh, that led to uh, going to work for the Toronto News. And uh, uh, I was, you know, for many years I wrote two columns a week. I just write the one column now and uh, maybe goes with getting a little older. But uh, so that's how it came about, Randy. Right on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I said to Chris uh, before we started recording here. I said, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny how the, you know, you all these years have interviewed Chris and I, and now the shoes on the other foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I know you guys really, you guys really put one over on me here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we have a little thing that uh, that we end the podcast with. Uh, it's called Player Association. Um, I'm going to throw out a name to you from the past yes. and uh you know you can uh you can talk about them you know as you wish as you wish right 
Okay, the first, more or less the first thing that comes to mind. You can you can elaborate all you want. You can talk as long as you want about them. So uh, the the first one I have on the list is uh, Don Henderson. Don Henderson. Uh, what comes to mind about Don is how good he was to all us young kids at a very young age. Uh, my family couldn't afford hockey gear. It's a fact. Uh, uh, who could in those days? And Don used to say to me, come down, young fella, get, get the Elks uh, goalie pads and the Elks belly pad. And uh, that was kind of when I really got to know Don. I'd be down there and became stick boy for the Elks at a young age, uh, the Elks of the Trill District Hockey League. And uh, Don Henderson was, uh, I called him a sports ambassador, what he did for this community. And uh, I could go on and on, but uh, I know I'll miss something, but I mentioned him and Terry. Uh, it was Terry Henderson and Don Henderson that got the Elks in Senior A. And you guys know that years later, after Senior A success, they were Canadian champs. So uh, yeah. can't can't say enough about Don. Right on. And you just touched on him a little bit. Next on the list is uh, Terry Henderson. Terry is uh, a chip off the old block. You know, he's he's another Don, and uh, and you have quite a few Dons in the family. And Mike, Mike coming along behind Terry, but Terry. Uh, as a coach, and uh, a lot of things should be said about Terry as a coach, but uh, I remember he studied hitting. He, as a young man, he studied hitting, and he he knew all about hitting, and, and I found that he was really strong in helping young ball players at the plate, how to stand, how to crouch, how to, how to watch the ball, and he... He knew all about the infield plays and the outfield plays. Just a student of the game, and uh, uh, we were very fortunate, very fortunate to have a Terry Henderson living in the community, and uh, just a great community man. Yeah, and he, he still does. He was still doing the trivia's there the last few years there <laughs> at Elk Park <laughs> that nobody could get. No, and the other thing too about Terry is I, I've played ball as we mentioned earlier in Brookfield for ten years, and he still announced me as Chris Hopwell. <laughs> Thanks, Terry. <laughs> uh, wow, that's hilarious. Oh uh, well, that's trivia. Uh, next on the list, Lyle is Sterling Delaney. Sterling Delaney was a close friend of mine. We grew up together as young young lads and uh, played together. What a team man and what a great competitor he was. And uh, he'd give you everything he had. And uh, uh, as good a ball player as he was, and he was a good senior A ball player and, and had a lot of good seasons, uh, I believe Sterling was 13 or 14 years of age before he had skates on. And he became a heck of a goaltender. He played with, you know, a number of intermediate teams, and he played. Uh, he played with the Toronto Bearcat old timers. Went down and played in Florida, and so on. Uh, just a great guy, Sterling, and uh, uh, I miss him. Yeah, I can actually uh, remember his his son John played with me a year. I think it would have been in Adam in Brookfield, and Sterling helped coach. So I got to know Sterling as well, you know, at a young age. But uh, yeah, you're right. He was a fantastic guy. He really was. Yeah. Uh, next on my list is. Uh, Mike Henderson. Well, Mike, uh, Mike, another real student of the game. I mean, he he was such an intelligent athlete. I always said about him and Robert Putnam and a lot of the young players who came along there, in the, especially in the late 80s or late 70s and into the 80s. Uh, they seemed to 
uh, know the game so well. They knew what was coming in the next innings and who was coming up in two innings time and all the the great things they knew about ball and uh, two two great ball players like uh, Mike. Uh, different years there, he was Canadian all Canadian second baseman, and uh, uh, I just remember him as being a great leader. And, uh, you know, without him, uh, I think the Canadian championship probably would have been in question. But, uh, no, just a, a great, great athlete. And, uh, like I say, really knows sports. Yeah, for sure. Uh, two more on the list here. Uh, touched on him a little bit there. Uh, Steve Ro- Mullally. <laughs> no, Steve, not Steve <laughs> Mullally. Uh, Robert Putnam. Uh, Robert Putnam, and again, like like Mike, what I got to had to say about Robert is in my time, I I actually coached the Elks in '75, and I believe Robert and Mike and them were sophomore players or second year then. But uh, Putty, uh, for a number of years there, leading up to that Canadian Championship around the league, around the mainland league, I heard him referred to different times as the MVP. And that says a lot. A lot of people looked up to Robert Putnam as the MVP of any top team in Nova Scotia or the Maritimes. And uh, I mean, he could do it all. You you guys remember Putnam, and he could do it all. He could bunt and beat out a bunt, and he could run, he could hit and field and pitch, and uh, just a, a valuable, valuable ball player. Absolutely. And last on the list, he would have been your bat boy back in 71, uh, Bobby Campbell. Yeah, Bobby. Bobby went on to have a tremendous career. He, uh, I remember him as Bat Boy, and uh, remember him as a real young kid. And uh, he became some catcher and a, a snappy catcher. And uh, like I, I always say about Bobby Campbell, he uh, he made the uh, the biggest catch in Brookfield Elks history. One hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> he got that strikeout pitch. But and a great team, a great team guy, great outlook, well liked athlete. Oh, absolutely. Well, Al, I mean, we touched on everything we needed to here. I, uh, you know, this has been an absolute pleasure for me, you know, to be able to interview you for once and, you know, (laughs) talk about, you know, your ball career and touch on your hockey career a little bit. So, you know, I need to thank you for coming on here. Look, thanks for having me, uh, Randy and Chris, and uh, I can promise you we'll be in touch and uh, looking forward to uh, some ball this summer. Absolutely. We'll see you at Elk Park for sure, Lyle. Good, Chris. Thanks a lot. Take care, Lyle. Hey, okay, take care, Lyle. Good chatting with you. Thanks, Randy. See you. See you guys. See you Bye. later. Bye bye. There we go. That was a record for me, by the way. A record. I didn't swear. You didn't once. swear. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I had to bite my tongue a lot. I know you. Did, you caught <laughs> yourself. Care. You caught yourself once there. <laughs> I but, did. Uh, man, that honestly, like that goes. You know, all my. You know, if I had a bucket list for interviews, I mean, Lyle Carter is definitely on yeah. there because you know I grew up in Brookfield and got the. Uh, he treat he treats everybody like he's known them forever. You That's know what right. I mean? And with he teaches he's such a nice man. Yes. Genuine. Genuine, yeah. Did you exactly. mention that he had four all Canadians as well? Four all Canadians. I did yeah. not mention that. I mean, I'll definitely mention that in the intro. <laughs> Should we call him back? And he, yep, let's call him back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll mention the intro. But no, man, that, that's being able to talk to Lyle. That's that's awesome. Yeah. If anybody had the uh, the luxury of meeting him, they would know what we're talking about as far as yes. how genuine he is. And the funny thing is, such a nice man. It, like he, a stranger could call up Lyle right now and say, you know, hey Lyle, uh, I'm such and such. You don't know who I am, but uh, you know, I've followed your career and everything. 
Well, I would sit down and have a half hour conversation with them. 100% he would. Yeah. But a half hour, it would be an hour. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the man can talk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. Absolutely. But uh, no, that was awesome. Yeah. But uh, I always look forward to seeing him actually when we're at the ball field. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just whatever. He always asks how the family is. He always asks yeah. how Jake is. Yeah. Yeah. Just remembering that. And he is a beauty man for how, sure. How is Jake? Jake's fine. <laughs> hey, Jake, I miss you. He won't listen to the podcast because he doesn't want to hear my voice. <laughs> Pussy. <laughs> what a guy. I told him I wouldn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's doing good. Actually, you know what's funny? Yeah. Now that I bring this up, you said about he doesn't want to hear your voice. Do you know? After I edit a podcast, I do not listen to, I've never listened to any of the episodes. Is that right? 100. After I edit it. Yeah. I just find it weird hearing my voice. Like even when I'm editing, I'm like, yeah, your voice is stupid as shit. It is. But I understand. I don't like listening to me either just because of your voice. Thanks, man. (laughs) (laughs) I listen. um, I gotta be honest. I do listen to a lot of them. Um, Actually, I've listened to all of them. Uh, only because I, I, sometimes when you're, you and I are here, I, I miss some of the things that went on during the interview and, and you're the same. And I know when you're editing them, you miss like what I, what I did with, when was I did it with you, Blair. Oh, <laughs> I gotta bring that. Like I was telling Chris before we started here, when I was editing Blair's podcast and, uh, he was talking about, uh, we gotta talk about Lolly for fuck's sake. Uh, <laughs> fucking Lolly. Talking about, uh, Lolly hitting the camera and breaking it finally. And, and in the background, I could hear, hear Hopi going, Oh, oh, lolly. <laughs> Something like that. And I burst out laughing when I was editing the podcast. And, uh, just yeah. little things like those, like yeah. that, that, uh, you know, I catch and, and it happens all the time. Like, yeah, for sure. Like, and that's oh, why I like listening to them. Again, and though, the fact, sure. like when I'm editing, you'll get texts from me saying, yeah, I can't believe that. you said that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, oh shit. Bum swap. Yeah. Bum, yeah. Oh my God. I uh, still, one yeah. of that, uh, the episode with, the with, the Brad Ezekiel. Yeah. I said the mother all from the same mother. I almost edited it out, but yeah, I couldn't because that's content. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I had a question. Why didn't you do quick pitches with Lyle? <laughs> throwing you under the bus. <laughs> I know. Cause I thought it might've took a long time. <laughs> Can you imagine us asking Lyle, uh, Lyle, what's your favorite three movies of all time? <laughs> <laughs> what would they be? What would they be? Casablanca. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know either. Something with Clint Eastwood, maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, another thing I was going to ask you before. Sure, of course. When we were going to do the intro, I was going to bring it up. Yeah. Uh, did you happen to catch the national televised game between Washington and uh, I did. Oklahoma? I did indeed. I caught it in the later innings only because I was out four lane with my family. Yeah. But uh, amazing ball. Those, those ladies are so super skilled. Yeah. The only thing I wish was the game was closer, closer. in yeah. the end just because it's it makes it a little bit any climatic, you know, dramatic. Yeah. Well, I said. When it's not that close. I told you. I, Gabby Flame was getting squeezed early on. Yeah, I don't and get was, that either. I mean, there was not like there was pitches coming in right at the knees. Yeah. Like, Right across the plate, and the ump wasn't calling it. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh no, this is." And what about the upset? Oh, let's talk about that. I mean, the the, the women's college world series is going to be over by the time this airs. And, yeah, but we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the fact that James Madison beat, beat. Oklahoma. Yes, like that, that has was... to be the biggest upset in NCAA softball history. I would think it was amazing to watch. Oh my god! Yeah. Like, ah, oh. just imagine being on that team and being the top ranked team in America yeah. by a lot. Like they broke records. Oklahoma broke records this yeah. year. Like so I, good. I was going as the game was going on, because like, I was following it on the and I will mention this, the D one softball uh website. 
their score tracker yeah. is amazing. Oh, good. It's like real time. So like they're going like, you know, ball one, ball two. It's And like shout out to them like that. What they have there is fantastic. But uh, shout out. We're looking for a sponsor. Should, <laughs> they, they have their own podcast. <laughs> we need a sponsor. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, yeah. I was looking at Oklahoma's uh, batting order and it had their season average. Yeah. Their lowest batting average for the season was 312. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> their top five. Sounds like Team Newfoundland. For their, top five, their top five hitters were hitting over 400. That's nuts. Holy shit. <laughs> that's insane. And James Madison, uh, Odyssey Alexander, was able to contain that offense. Yeah, that's incredible. And man, I, I can't wait to see how they did tonight against, uh, they were playing Oklahoma State. Okay. So yeah, be interested to see how they, how they fare. That, like, I love Cinderella stories yeah, in too. any sport. Me too. Yeah. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention too, and we're getting a little long here, but I'm so glad LeBron got beat. <laughs> I know. Me too. Man, I hate basketball. Anyway. You know what's going to be funny? We're going to have the first time we're ever going to have comments on stuff. And it's going to be because we're complaining about LeBron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything else? We don't get anything. Well, but- I did get, well, what we did get one comment from, uh, was it Jason Gerby's or about, uh, no, somebody said something about our Canadian potty mouths. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The boys, uh, yeah. beyond the dugout yeah. is, uh, I think we're going to be doing something with them later on down the line. And, uh, and I can't uh, swear again. <laughs> oh, trust me. I listen to their <laughs> I know, man. And they're, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. worse than you. Yeah. Like Jesus. They're one to and talk. we have potty mouths. Yeah. Yeah. Chopper. You fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, let's shut her down. Yeah, let's shut her down. It's uh, it's Friday. Let's, uh, you know. Listen to some Classified and uh, have a good weekend. Everybody have a great week. Yeah, this have is a great Monday. week, everyone. It's That's Monday. right. Yeah. Thanks again for listening. All right. We appreciate it. Take care, everybody. See ya. I read the rules before I broke them. I broke the chains before they choked me out. Oh. Now I pay close this before but i'd rather lose a fight than miss the war and i ain't wishing competition or fishing for it i'm just living in a system conditions are poor i've been lost in the rhythm and misinformed too many late nights hitting the liquor store too many bad decisions half-ass attempts no sweat no fear no blood no tears i go hard and i ain't making up no excuse i'm overdue i don't do what i'm supposed to do because if you think about a man we're supposed to lose it ain't all picture perfect ocean views Nope, I was a first-class rookie Taking out bullies in my all-black hoodie Man, a mystery, you know the history Get it or forget it, cause poof, I'm out of here I read the rules before I broke them I broke the chains before they choked me And I've been real low yeah. I've been beaten and broken But I healed though So many ups and downs Roughed up and clown We all got problems But we deal though I'm trying to do better now Find my inner peace Learn my art form And find my energy When my back's on the wall I don't freeze up Now I find my inner strength And I re-up Here we go I know i never been the smartest The wisest But I realize what it takes Never dwell in the dark Cause the sun always rises But gotta make it to the next day It's a feeling that you get In your lungs when you run But you're running out of air And your breath won't come